Well, amen. Good to see you here this morning. We're going to be in a in the book of Romans here today. We're looking at what faithfulness is to God. And we got through the first week. How many made, how many survived? How many can still say I love my pastor? Well, that's most of you. That's good. We'll work on the rest of you here. <laughs> Amen. Well, last time we were looking at what is faithfulness to God and those things that are outside of myself, particularly truth and people. Now, I was thinking about this as we were, we were contemplating this because uh, we had some discussion with a few people afterwards about some great people that had gone on, gone on before. And, um, you know, we can think of some of them. And, and, and sometimes it is... Uh, it's the tendency of some people, I'm not saying anybody here, but it could be. It's sometimes a tendency of some people to look at certain people and call them great by their race. Well, he is a great white leader. He is a great black leader. And that is horrendous that we would do something like that. Because being white, black, brown, or Hispanic does not make anyone great. What makes them great is the great things that they did. Now, here's something that is unique when you look at some of these people. When you, you can look at some of the people and because of their race, because of the color of their skin, it put them in a position to do something great that no one else was in. But it did not make them great. Rosa Parks was not great because she was a black woman. She was a black woman that put her in a position to do something. But what made her great was her courage to stand up and do something. That's what made her great. George Washington was not a great white leader. He was a great man who did great things and led a ragtag army against the best armed forces this world had to offer and followed after the Spirit of God. And if you read his journals, you will find out he followed the Spirit of God. And that's what made him great. When you look at Martin Luther King Jr., he was not great because he was a black man. He was great because he had an eloquence of speech that few people had, regardless of their race or color. And he could say things, I tell you, I just like listening to him. Because he didn't speak things based on hate. He spoke to them based on love and based on God's word. Don't ever look at people as being great because of the color of their skin. They're great because they did what God said. We have to make sure we, we don't do that. God does not look at people by their race, by the color of their skin, or any such things. He says there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. So if you're going to be faithful to the principles of God... You've got to shed that. You've got to get rid of it. Otherwise, you are faithful to yourself first. Not faithful to God. Well, we did that last week. You still love me? We looked at truth. Don't ever repeat truth that the world has said without you finding out if it's truth. Don't ever do it. You are a speaker of truth. God's truth. But sometimes the world gets you all fired up for something. 
And once they got you fired up, you start speaking out the things that are truths of the world. You've compromised the truth of God's Word. And as far as God is concerned, you are not faithful with the truth. Now, we only looked at one aspect things, and that was things outside of ourselves. And don't raise your hand, but how good are you on the faithfulness as far as God is concerned? Can we think of some things where maybe we're not as strong as we thought? Do we understand why the Word of God says everyone thinks they're faithful, but only a few are? Can you see why Paul said no one else has this like-mindedness except Timothy? Wow. This is rare, folks. This is rare. But how many of y'all want to get into a rare area? I want to get into rare company. I want to be one who is who God looks at and says, you know what? He's faithful. But if you want to do things for a reward and get a reward in heaven, and God wants you to get a reward, He would not teach you how to be rewarded if He did not want you to be rewarded. He wants you rewarded. He wants you to receive. The re- He's got them. He wants to give them out. He's looking forward to giving them out. It's kind of like you on Christmas Day when you get Christmas presents for the little kids. Even the big kids. But especially the little kids. How many of you, you're looking forward to giving it to them? And you can become disappointed if you can't. Well, see, that's our Father. He's got rewards. And He's looking forward to giving them to us. But who gets them? It's not the diligent. It's not the busy people. It's those that are faithful. We've got to be among those. So we're going to move on to a second area. We are not going to cover all of this here. But this one's a whole lot easier. I, I saved the easy one when we had all the kids in. This one's, uh, you can just kind of breathe a sigh of relief. This one's going to be a whole lot, the, a lot easier to get through. We're going to have some, we're going to have some fun time to, uh, to, to get through this. But I've got a little object lesson here, here just to start us off with. And, uh, my, my granddaughter is sitting on it. <laughs> can you reach that bag that's underneath your chair? And can you hand that to me? See, it's even better than me going and getting it myself. All right, I've got something in here because here's we're going to read something about what Paul has to say here in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we have our children in here today. We give them all sermon notes so you can make your own, but if you do, you get to go in the back and uh, when you give them to me, I've got some uh, special treats for you. And my daughter went shopping in some different places, and we got new stuff back there. Now, don't think that everyone who's, you know, taking notes gets one. you got to be one of the kids. All right? Don't, oh, I'm a kid. No, it's not. I, I'm the judge. I am, I'm, I am the judge of who the kids are. <laughs> so you come on back there. We want you to be able to, to get that. But more, more importantly, we want you to be able to write things down and learn how to take notes and remember things from God's Word. Write the things down that are important for you. But he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. This means to, to call near, to call alongside. He says, I am making this call to you. I want you to come, and I want you to come near, and I want you to hear what it is that I'm saying. Because when you're far off, you can't necessarily hear that. But look, I beseech you, I'm calling you, come near. Get over here. Get right next to me so that you can hear these things that I'm saying. Because I've been talking a long while. But these things that I'm getting into, these are really important. 
So I beseech you, I am calling upon you, come in here, get a hold of this. This is important for you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is why we stay out of sin, because I want to present my body as a sacrifice to God. The enemy will always tell you, well, no one will know. Well, this really won't hurt you that much. Don't listen to them. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. This is, he's exhorting us here. This is the will of God. The will of God is that we do not conform to this world. That's the will of God. So if God is going to look upon us as being faithful or unfaithful, if we conform to this world, are we faithful or unfaithful? unfaithful? We're unfaithful as far as God is concerned. But how many Christians have already conformed to parts of the world and feel completely okay with it? We've adopted the language of the world. We've adopted words that the world will use that now the church feels is acceptable. Now, I don't say that you have to hold to my standard of things. But I, I do have a pretty, there's a, there's a, my list of words I don't use is much bigger than most people's. And you won't hear me say it in church and you won't hear me say it outside of church. I don't say them. I don't like them. I don't tell you enough hints to get the word that I mean. <laughs> I just don't use them. I use other words. Now you can go by that or you can not, but I'm not going to conform to this world. The world says, I had a pastor. I served under for a number of years. He used a word that to me is a cuss word and most people use it and just toss it around. I can't use it. Every time I'd hear him preach and he'd use this word, I, I just, it just hurt me. It just, oh. <laughs> but we don't need to be conformed to this world. I don't need to get angry at what the world gets angry at. I don't need to use language that the world uses. I don't need to pick up issues that the world picks up. I need to pick up the issues that my God feels are important. That's what we need to, to stay with. And do not be conformed to this world. It's pretty strong. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you've got to let your mind get renewed and just transform you into something completely different than the way that you came to God. How many have ever heard this phrase, God loves me just the way I am? I don't need to change. God loves me just the way I am. He does. And He told you change. <laughs> God loves you just the way He is, the way you are. But He said right here, I love you, now change. Isn't that what He's saying? He's saying, I know how you came to me. But that's not how I want you to stay. So if I have this attitude that says, well, God loves me just the way I am, and I can keep going on doing what I'm doing. What am I saying? I am not faithful to the things of God. I am faithful to what I want to do. Well, amen. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're going to demonstrate these things. Prove means to, to demonstrate. You're going to show to the world what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. By not being conformed and by being transformed. Now, if you go out in the world and you don't be conformed, the world doesn't like it. 
They want you to conform. They want you to accept what they say is marriage. They want you to accept who should use the girl's bathroom. And so forth. They want you to accept these things. I don't accept it. I don't accept that there are 14 different genders. There are two. And these smart people who think they're so much better they don't know. No, you're either born a girl or you're born a boy. The enemy comes in, tries to lie to you and tell you something different. Get you all confused. But those people who go through all those changes and become something they were not born, the suicide rate on them is pretty high. They won't tell you that. By my, by my father, by the word of God, I believe that birth, the birth, uh, the, the life is not happen, does not happen at birth. Life happens at conception. I don't even say the life happens when a heartbeat is there. I say the life happens at conception. And these people who want to go on, some of them are Christian people. And now they even got the port. I heard one person classify it as the fourth trimester. They want abortion in the fourth trimester. And in other words, after the baby has been born, they can decide. Virginia, New York were one of the ones that went on this. But apparently I'm also told that there are some other states that have this in their wording as well. And it's already passed. Isn't that fun? My temporary home state, Oklahoma, is trying to pass laws that would make sure that never happens. I hope they get it done. But of course, there will be people who stand against that. Let's go into verse 3 here. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, think soberly. Don't be thinking so much of yourself. Doesn't, think, doesn't say think lowly of yourself. Just don't think more of yourself than you ought to. You ever met somebody like that? They think, boy, they think a lot of themselves. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, don't be doing that. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. And he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are many different ministries in the body of Christ, all of which are important, but they're different. And if one of those ministries is not functioning the way that it does, things go wrong. Things are not right. Now, I was not intending this as an object lesson today, but as I was coming on over, I said, you know what? We can, we can do this. And so I have something in this here, this here bag. In this here bag, there is, there's a particular object in here, which had served a function for probably over a decade. And, um, it got replaced. I bring to you a pair of boots. I have some new boots on my, my feet. They are not easy to find. They are very hard to find and uh, for me. But uh, I sent them away for, for some, and they came in. Didn't fit. Didn't work. When you fit, it just didn't work. Had to send them back. 
Try to, I wrote to the company who made these boots. I took pictures of them. I sent them to them after my failure. And I said, can you help me find out what is this boot? It is not, you don't make it anymore. It's way too old. Can you tell me what it is? I waited a week. No one replied. I waited two weeks. No one replied. I waited three weeks. No one replied. I said, no one's going to reply. <laughs> Before that, I had called the store which I bought them at and I described my dilemma. They'd let me know, we can't help you. <laughs> I'm thinking, I have to get on a plane ticket, go out to Oklahoma, <laughs> go to the store, and my family will tell you, way back when we were going to Winter Bible, I, the first time I got into a pair of cowboy boots was um, was out there and the, the Spirit of God just told me, he said, get into, go out there and get a pair because I was having major trouble with my feet from cross country and from a lot of the injuries. You remember the stories I told you? And I couldn't even stand in line for the kids when the, we were going to the park. And, and um, um, I had to, they'd have to sit me on a bench after the morning and just sit on the bench and just wait for them to get done because I couldn't stand anymore. And um, so, you know, so shoes are important. I'm not going to give you that whole story again. But uh, we were in the store and we were, I tried on so many shoes that my feet got so sore, once I bought a pair, I couldn't wear them for a couple of weeks. But we finally found a pair. My family was patient with it. And so that pair had, had worn out. But this is one of the ones that had gone on. I don't know how many years ago that was. It was probably something like 20, 25 years ago that we had done that. And um, that pair had been retired, but then this pair came into place. And it's now going to be retired. It was it had holes in it. You know, if I go out in the rain, it would leak. And, but they were comfortable for a long time. But then we finally got to a spot where I've had a, a toe on my foot. It's been hurting. And um, it was hurting a lot. I put Band-Aids on it. I put three Band-Aids on the toe to try and help it out. And it wasn't working. And so sometimes I would walk and I would visibly, visibly limp from the thing because it just, it just would hurt. But... Um, the, the other boots came and I put these guys on and it is not hurting. So give it some, some weeks to heal. <laughs> but you see, I don't have a whole lot of variety in shoes. I look, I look for one pair to wear to church. I got one pair that I, I, I wear in the shop and I replace it. It's the, I replace it with exactly the same one. Exactly. I have bought the same shop shoes for, I don't know how long, I don't even know how long it's been. It has been a long time. I, there's no reason to change. That one works. I don't need variety. I just need something that works. So I put those shoes on or I put these shoes on. So these guys are being retired. But you may think, what function does this have in church? But you see, if you're not comfortable walking around, it can affect you. And you see, there's a lot of people who have functions in the body of Christ. And people say, well, that's not very important until it's not there. Or until that person decides not to do that ministry. What Paul is telling you here is that there are many different functions. There are many different things that can be done in church. And he does not list all of them here. He's just giving you some. We have gifts that are different. My gift's different from your gifts. If everybody had the same gifts, we wouldn't have any function. We need to have different gifts. We have gifts that are different, that differ. He says, if your gift happens to be prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. If it's ministering, 
And use it in your ministry. As you serve, as you minister to people, serve them with faith. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, he's not giving an, an exhaustive list. But he's telling you, you've got different gifts. Don't let the enemy, don't let other people tell you that gift is no good. That, that gift is fine. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Don't let the devil come in and say, well, if you didn't do what you did, the <laughs> whole place would fall apart. No, because as soon as any of us go, what happens? There's somebody steps right in and replaces you. I mean, if Elijah could be replaced, I can be replaced. Right? If God says, Elijah, I got 7,000 people. I can pick any one of them to replace you. In fact, I just did that. I just picked some of you. Go, go anoint them. We're, we're not replaceable. We're not irreplaceable, I should say. God, God, God will put somebody else in. If you won't do it, if you're going to listen to the lies that what you do is no good, it's not going to help you. So be, be sober in the way that you think about yourself. There are many members. There are many functions. Many functions and different functions. How one person does that ministry is different from somehow the way somebody else does it. The gifts differ according to the grace that is given to you. There's grace for it. Whatever it is that you're doing, there's grace for it. Because you see, you may look at somebody else in the ministry they do and say, oh, that would frustrate me. Oh, I don't know that I could last doing that. It's because you haven't been given the grace for it. <laughs> don't try and step into somebody else's area. They've been given the grace for it. They get in there and, all right, so we get some difficult people, but I got grace. It works good. You try and step in there and you got no grace. You get frustrated. That is not going to help you. When God says, or I see a need in the body, if God says to me something, or I see a need in the body, and I don't do, and I, and I do it for God, and when you do it for God, you're doing it to other people, what would that qualify? Well, when God says it, surely it would qualify, but what if I see a need in the body, and I just go out there and do it? Does that qualify? Yeah, it can qualify. It can qualify. But you got to do it right. And so Paul tells us how to do some of these things right. Now I'm going to veer off of here. Go over to Matthew chapter 10 verse 40. Matthew chapter 10 verse 40. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives, uh, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So you can get a reward in that person. If you see a prophet and you receive him as a teacher, what do you get? You get a teacher's reward. Brother Hagen taught us that when he was in, we were in school. He said some people didn't receive him as a prophet. 
They received him as a teacher. They only received him as a teacher's reward. You got to be careful on that. You can disqualify yourself from receiving a better reward. You don't want to do that. Whoever receives one of these little ones, only a, I'm sorry, and whoever gives one of these little ones, only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall no, by no means lose his reward. What do you got to do? If you just as much as gave a cup of cold water to somebody, <laughs> just, just give them some water. You'd receive a reward, right? Oh, well, I, I, I really don't like water. It's cold. cold water. I, I, I don't want, I don't. Your favorite. I appreciate, I do appreciate it, but I don't, I really don't appreciate the interruption. No, I don't, I really don't want it. I don't want any water. I don't like water. Give me a Diet Coke. I don't want water. Why is he? Get these kids under control. <laughs> Where's the mama and papa? <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't want any water. You Thank you. Though. I'm, I'm not going to take it. I, I I don't want the water. I don't. I, I don't. Will you take the water back? I'm, I don't want the water. I can grab you a cup and just pour it. No, I don't. I don't want the water. You should take it. Will you get the water? <laughs> get the water out of here. I don't want the water. I insist. I don't care if you insist. I don't want the water. <laughs> Take the water back. Brother Jolly, come on over here and get your brother. I don't, I don't, I don't want the water. I do not want the water. Go sit down. Will you go sit down? I don't want the water. I'm going to go in here and preach. Get out of here. Get, out of here. get the water out of here. <laughs> all right. Now you all know we set this up. <laughs> Now you see, sometimes, thanks very much, sometimes people want to do what they want to do regardless of whether it's needed. Well, see, the water, the, 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 the Word of God said to give out water. Yeah, but what if they don't want water? Well, it doesn't matter. I want to give you water. You know, you go to some churches and they got people and they, they meet the pastor. Brother Keith would talk about this. He'd go into a, a church and he'd have three or four people lined up to take his briefcase. And I guess he let them do it. I've never in all these years had anybody lined up to take my Bible, carry my iPad, any such thing. And don't do it. I don't want it. It won't minister to me. I like carrying my own stuff. There are other people out there, they don't like to carry their own stuff. They like other people to do it. That'll minister to them. But you see, just because you saw something minister to somebody else doesn't mean that you push it on this to another person. Because then I'm being faithful to me. I'm not being faithful to the situation. I'm not being faithful to God. Just because the Word of God says here, give a cup, cup of cold water, it doesn't mean that you have to give cold water to everybody. <laughs> you got to find somebody that, you, that needs it. That little child was thirsty. They need water. And you gave them, you stopped and gave them water. God says, glory to God. All right. That's, that's like giving it to me. When you see a prophet and God has sent the prophet, you receive them as a prophet. You don't sit there and say, well, I wouldn't say stuff like that. Well, I really don't like the way they worded that. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's just not dressed the way I think a prophet ought to be dressed. 
and we go on and we, 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 we think some of these things. Don't be doing it. There's a teacher out there. There's a prophet out there. There's an apostle. Receive them. Now, just because somebody says that they're an apostle or prophet or something like that doesn't mean they are. But you'll see the calling in them. No one should have to tell you I'm a prophet. You should be able to see it. No one should have to be able to tell you I'm a teacher or I'm a uh, missionary or whatever it might be that they are. You should be able to see it. Put this in your outline for you. Just because I want to do something doesn't mean there is a reward for doing it. It needs to meet a need. I need to look around. Where's the need that God has? Does, does God have a need in this area? And we gotta, well, we gotta find the need. When I find the need, and I can get in, oh, I can, Father God, I can help with this. And I pursue God on it. And God says, yeah, go ahead and, go ahead and help with that. Go ahead and do that. And you can, you can get in there and you can help. You can find a need. Now this can be a need that God assigned to you. You may get an assignment from God and God says, so and so has a need, help them. And they may, they may find it. It might be one that you discovered. Might be one that along the way you've kind of discovered the thing, you found this need. But whatever it is, you have to be, you have to do it in accordance with certain things. You have to go with those that are over it. Whoever is over that particular ministry, you need to go with them. If that particular person who's over that ministry and you see a need, just because you come in there and say, well, I'm going to do it this way. Well, that's not helping them. That's being a problem. Don't be a problem. Be a help. How do they want you to do it? How do they want it to, to go on? If you uh, listen to Brother Keith Moore tell stories, he's told this story for decades. He just recently, in, in the last couple of, um, couple of uh, I don't know, months, he uh, clarified the story. Have you ever heard him tell about the peeling tomato story? Have you ever heard about that one? No one ever? Wow. <coughs> All right. Well, he changed it. He was, apparently, it was not peeling tomatoes. It was something else. Because he was telling the story, and um, all of a sudden his wife chimed in and said it wasn't tomatoes, it was a pineapple. He looked at her, it's a pineapple? I've been telling that story for decades now. <laughs> he said, we got to talk about some more of these stories, make sure I got them right. But they were over at Brother Hagin's house, and they were prepping some things, and so the story was about a pineapple. And she was peeling the pineapple. And Brother Hagin said to her, that's not how you peel a pineapple. Now apparently she had done some work in kitchens. She has a has some cooking experience, and she knew how to do a pineapple. But Brother Hagen said that's not how you do a pineapple. You're wasting too much. And so he showed her how he wanted his pineapple cut. <laughs> so she didn't argue with him. She just cut it the way that he wanted it cut. And see that's the that's the right attitude. If someone else is over the ministry then you do it the way they say to do it. Whether you like it or not. That's how they, that's how they want it done. Just like when we were little. Some of you guys are, are kids now. And you cut the lawn. How are you supposed to cut the lawn? The way mom and dad say to cut the lawn. 
They own the house. They pay for the house. They do all the stuff for the house. They buy the meals. So you cut it the way you want it. What if you come in and say, I don't want to cut it that way. I cut it this way. Yeah. When, we were, when we were growing up, we had... Um, anybody remember those push lawnmowers? No gas. You just push them. They got blades and you spin them around and stuff like that. And um, my father felt this was the greatest thing in the world. Now, they have motorized lawnmowers. I'm not that old. They have the motorized lawnmowers. But they... Uh, he got this, he came home one day and he had this push mower. And he says, uh, I, I, why'd you get that? Oh, I just think, I just, he, his words were, I love cutting the lawn with a push mower. Now, I didn't say this out loud. But you know what I said. <laughs> My immediate thought is, but I cut the lawn. <laughs> I don't like cutting the lawn with a push mower. I like cutting the lawn with a powered mower. And so I had to do with this push mower for the longest time. Pushing the thing on down. And you can't let the grass grow long with a push mower. You'll be sorry. You gotta cut that, you gotta get out there on a frequent basis and be cutting it. And so, um, after a while of doing that, my dad made a deal with me. He says, I'm gonna go out and get a powered, you know, gas powered mower. And you can take it and you can uh, use it to cut people's lawns in the neighborhood. He said, just you pay me. And I forget what the the amount was. I paid him so much out of uh, whatever I got. So if I did a lawn, did it for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. I don't even know what I what would be charged back then. Um, I gave him a part of that. And so it was a business deal. He bought the lawnmower. I got to use it. How to use it on the house. Of course, first, of course, I was just glad I don't have to push the bladed lawnmower around. <laughs> Just can do the other one. But you see, if, if it's somebody else's house, how do you cut the lawn? The way they want to cut. So you learn faithfulness in, in those kind of things. And that's what we got to do. Learn faithfulness. You do it the way that person does it. Pull up that scripture I sent over to you, Brother Daryl. I believe it was over in Luke. Let's read this together. You all know this, these verses quite well. But we'll read them together here. I sent them over to while the service was going on. I said, we're going to need this. He was faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He was talking about money. And to God, money is least. If you can't be faithful with money, you're not going to be faithful with anything. And he was unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. In other words, if I'm going to give you a little and you're unfaithful with it, you're going to be unfaithful if I gave you a lot. So don't say, give me more and I'll be faithful. Because if you're not faithful with a little, then you won't be faithful with anything more. Go on to the next one. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, here is the attitude we mostly have when we have our giftings to use in the body of Christ. Um, I pick up a particular ministry and I say, God doesn't, hasn't led me to do it that way. I've never heard that. From other people, I'm sure no one here has ever said that. That's never been in your book. But other people have, have used it. God is not leading me to do it that way. And we treat the ministry as if it's our own. But it's not, is it? God gave it to someone. There is some person that God gave the ministry to. 
in which you are helping that person in that ministry. And I have to be faithful, not just to God, but to that person. Well, I don't think they're doing it right. That's not for you to decide. Because according to God, being faithful is being faithful with what is another man's. Which means they get to decide. You know, Brother Keith is always talking about this in his, in his messages. When he's talking about uh, submission or uh, just about anything, he, he, he finds a way to get on it. He says, people will come up to me and says, uh, you know, I want to do this. Or I want to do it this way. His, his idea is, I don't get to do it the way I want to do it. Why should you get to do it the way you want to do it? We got to do it God's way. Well, who decides what's God's way? Well, who's ever over that ministry? But you see, sometimes we'll be in the, in the presence of them and we'll say, all right, well, we'll do it that way. And then we go away and we grumble. We go away and we bicker. We go away and we murmur. I don't think it should be done that way. I think they're missing God. Yeah, because God bypassed his word and decided that though he gave the ministry to this man or this woman over here, he's going to speak to you about how they ought to do it. Can you see why that is not faithful? And you're not learning faithfulness. You are learning unfaithfulness and you are learning to yield to a wrong spirit, thinking it is the spirit of God. And thereby you become just as guilty as Saul who did what he wanted to do as he accomplished the purpose of God, thinking he was faithful. What do you mean? I am faithful. We wiped them all out. We brought back the best sheep. We brought back the king, but we wiped them all out. And we brought these back to sacrifice to God. That's how you get to that place. Don't do it. Even if you think they're complete, even if they are completely missing it, it doesn't matter. What are you called to do? Let's read that again. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? In other words, God is saying, let me paraphrase this for you. God is saying, if you can't be faithful in someone else's ministry, do you really think I'm going to give you your own? That's what he's saying. That's not going to happen. But you see, most people can't get past that spot. And even if God had called them to a place where they would have a ministry of their own, they can't get there. See, I, I can become faithful to myself. God wants to assign you things, but if He assigns you something, you still got to be faithful to the people that are over that ministry. And faithful to the principles of God. Otherwise, faithfulness to self takes over. And now we're not going to have a good thing. All right, let's get into the crux of this here now. Verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. We talked about this verse of Scripture not too long ago. Let's take a look at it here with this concept, this uh, context. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, don't be out here saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and behind the scenes going... That's not going to be good. Don't be hypocrisy is bad. You know, there's some people out there who um, who they want God to bless them, and when God blesses them and sends customers their way or sends people their way to 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 buy what they're selling or to to work with them, whatever, they complain about them. 
That's a hypocrite. <laughs> don't be doing that. Don't be, don't be saying those kind of things. I learned this boy back when I was over at Ramah. And we would be praying. I would be praying. No one else, there was no other Christians in the place. I was the only Christian. For at least a long while, I was the only, only Christian. And we got some more. But I was believing God for prosperity. Because my idea was, if customers come in, they want me to come in. Pizza place, yeah. If, if, if customers come in, <laughs> thank you for that clarification, Ms. Ethel. <laughs> if customers come in and buy pizzas, then they're going to want me to come in. Because what would happen if you had a night and people weren't coming in, they start sending people home. So if that happened, you wanted to be among the people that didn't get sent home. You wanted to be among the people that says, we can't let them go home. But there are always certain people. There was, and I, I was just telling my mom this, we were, we were talking about it. When we were at Ken's people, we were very sexist. Extremely sexist. I mean, to the, to the hilt. If you were a woman, you came in as a waitress. That's it. There were no woman cooks. None. Not a single one. And if you came in as a guy, you came as a cook and a dishwasher. Not as a waitress. The guys complained. Because the waitresses got all the tips. I got all the tips. We didn't get any. They wanted to be, can I be a, can I be a, a waiter? No. That's how it was. They probably get in trouble now. <laughs> but <laughs> we didn't get any trouble back then. We were, we were fine when the people came in. They, the, the ladies, they always came in and they wanted to be a, a waitress. And the guys came in, they wanted to be a cook. That's just how it was. And so that's what we would, that's what we would do. You'd have certain ones that come in that way. So there's certain waitresses that you would send home early. Well, they're not very useful anyway. <laughs> And there are certain cooks that um, they couldn't cook themselves out of a paper bag. You know, you just wonder, do you, do you, do you, it says half pepperoni, half sausage. That means on one half of the pizza, we put pepperoni. On the other half, we put sausage. That's how we do it. And uh, they don't know how to make the dough. They don't know how to roll the dough. They, they're, they, they, they slop sauce all over places. And I mean, we send them home. We get them, you know, get them out of there. So you want to become someone that they don't want to send home. Because if they send you home, you don't get paid. You only get paid for the hours that you're there. That's what you want to do. So you want to become faithful to do what they wanted. How do they want the cheese put on? They had a way to put the cheese on. They had a way to put the sauce on. They had a way to do the dough. They had a way to do the pepperoni. I think I told you the story. Tony and I, we would be busted on each other. All the time we busted on each other. I'll be running the ovens. He'd be running the make table. And so he busted on me. He says, did they ask for that bubble in that pizza? <laughs> did they ask for that pizza to be burned? And he'd be picking on me. Now, it wasn't burned yet, but he, in his mind, it was getting a little close. And so he'd uh, pick on me. So I would, I would go into the oven and I would grab a hot pizza out of there and I'd take it and I'd slap it down there right in front of him. Did they ask for two pieces of pepperoni to be touching each other? Let's spread them out. Got all the pepperoni over here? Nothing over here. Let's spread them out. So we'd, be, we'd just bust on each other. But we're, our end product was we wanted things to be better. And we'd make things, make things better. You see, if we became invaluable, 
then they would keep us on. They would get to the place, we'll send everybody else home, we're not sending them home. We're going to keep them there. That's how God wants you to be in your, in your places. But it only comes if you're faithful to what they want, not faithful to what you want. You've got to be faithful in what is another person's before God will give you what, you're, what is your own. And don't just think about ministry, think about your job. That is not your business, that is somebody else's business. You be faithful in that business. You do it the way they want it done. Be faithful. Then God says, ah, the same way that you are faithful with the people in the world is the same way you'll be faithful with the things of God. Same way that you have been faithful with money, you'll be faithful with the bigger things that I'll give you. But if we can't be faithful with the little things, he's not going to give us bigger. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. See, in this next section, Paul wants to point out that he administ- in the administration of my gift, in the administration of my gift, my attitude matters. Your attitude matters in how you do your gift. I made a note on this as we we're sitting here worshiping. Great giftings can be rendered useless by bad attitudes. Great giftings can be rendered useless by bad attitudes. Don't have a bad attitude. You may have, you may be greatly gifted, but your attitude will disqualify you. He says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. That means give preference to one another. Doesn't mean except for brother so and so. Or sister so-and-so. No, you give preference to other people. Be kindly affectionate to one another. Don't be rude. When we start operating away, I am rude to somebody. What's God saying? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. That's what's in my word. It says right there in my word, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. It's not all about you. Not lagging in diligence. Diligence is important. It's not faithfulness, but diligence is important. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So he's just giving us some of the attitudes that we ought to have as we are ministering. Don't lag in diligence. In your spirit, be fervent in this. Go after with everything that you got. Don't be lax. Whatever it is that you're going to do, put your all into it. Be, be fir- don't be saying, well, there's going to be three people there looking at this thing today. No, you got to be fervent. Whatever it is that you got to do. When the worship team comes up here, they're fervent. They come out on Thursday nights. They drive all the way out here on Thursday. They spend two, two and a half hours here. And then they drive on home. And then they come out earlier. On Sunday morning. And that's not even counting the time that they, they're watching YouTube clips and, and practicing and doing other stuff. Now I hear the story is Brother Les practicing drums at the, at the house. <laughs> Getting things ready for Sunday. His wife's trying to work, has to go put headphones on. <laughs> it's not that he's playing poorly. <laughs> it's just, you know, it can be a distraction. But he's fervent. He's out there. He's going to get it right. 
He's going to get it right. I remember one one Thursday we came on in, and he came. I think before the practice, he was here early. He's usually here pretty early, and he came on in. and He says, "Man, I was practicing." And he told me how much time he was practicing this song, but I, I got it right. I got it down. And they came on in for practice that night, and Brother Nikolai says, "We're changing the song." <laughs> I felt for Brother Les. I felt for him. I really did. I said, "Oh." <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> but he goes with it. He's just out ready for the, for the next. But see, that's fervent. That's in, in, it's in the spirit. It's not, not something I force. It's in, your, it's in your spirit. You're fervent with it. No, we're driving with this thing. That's what we got to do. You teach Sunday school, you're fervent with it. I'm going to go after this. I don't care if only two kids are in the class. I'm going to put everything that I got into this and those kids are going to get the best thing that they've got. Because we're fervent. That's what God's looking at. Now think about this when we, 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 as we get into this. You think about your faithfulness and your diligence and all the stuff you're putting in. And, and sometimes we get the idea that what we do down here is all that. This is like the biggest thing that's ever going to happen to you. I'm going to tell you something. This is nothing. Whatever you do down here in ministry is nothing. All this is is a stage to get you ready. Because think about this. How long, if you, if you were on this earth, and I do not desire to be myself, but if you were on this earth for 90 years, how many of those 90 years are you involved in the ministry that you have? You know, the first 10, 15, 10 years, you're probably not involved with it at all. Maybe as a teenager, you start to get a little bit involved. And then maybe somewhere in your 20s, you go full, full at it. And then somewhere along the, however, that's just, that's just, uh, say for argument's sake, let's say that you do the ministry that you're doing for 60 years. Let's just say 60 years. How does 60 years compare to a thousand? How about, how's that compare? Which one's bigger? A thousand is bigger, right? Now compare a thousand years to an eternity. Which one's bigger? You see, folks, this is how it's set up. What you do down here determines your place in the thousand-year kingdom. What you do in the thousand-year kingdom determines what happens in eternity. Can you see how small this stage is? This is a small stage. Be faithful. Because God says, if you can't be faithful with a little, can't trust you with much in the next kingdom. Remember the parable we looked at when we started this off? He was given five. He gained ten. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And how many cities in the next kingdom did he give him? Ten. That was in the next kingdom. So what he did with the talents, put them in a place to receive ten cities. The other guy got five. The other guy, he didn't get any. Just remember, God is not a socialist. If, if God is not a socialist, neither should you. When he had that extra one, the extra talent, who'd he give it to? 
The guy who had one, he, Jesus even brings it up. Why'd you give it to him? He's got ten. To him who has much, more will be given. That's the principles of God. That's why socialism is so anti-God. Because it's not from God. It's from the enemy. And every time in history you look at a socialistic government, every, I don't mean most of it, I mean every single time that you see a socialistic government, they oppress people, they kill Christians, they kill Jews, they kill anyone who follows after God and holds to the Bible. They do that. They take as much as they can from the people so that a few live in prosperity and most people have nothing. You look at the condition of the Soviet Union when the curtain fell. Most grocery stores didn't have bread, didn't have meat. If you went on in the day and they had something, they would have one item, you would buy it because they may never have it again. They don't have blue jeans for you to wear. They don't have clothes. You, you get what you can get. That's socialism. That's where it happens all the time. Down in Venezuela, it was once a pros- prosperous country. And in short number of years, that prosperity is gone. Socialism, folks, it is not godly. That's, this is not a political statement. This is not trying to be political at all. I am just telling you, as it is, God is not a socialist. God rewards those who are faithful with more. And He will give the one who has the most more because He can handle it and He's shown Himself He can handle it. That's the Word of God. What's that say about people that believe in socialism? Guarantee you, folks, they may say it with their mouth, they do not follow God. They may go to church. They may say all kinds of things about God. But you cannot follow God and go with a system that is anti-God. Cannot do it. Anyway, let's go on with this. Where do we leave off? Verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Remember, this is the Lord you serve. You don't serve people, you serve the Lord. People will frustrate you. That's all right. You're not serving them. I'm serving God. I serve God by serving you. Just keep in mind who the boss is. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Some places we'll read, being faithful in prayer. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. How many like that part? Patient in tribulation. Now we get under tribulation, what do we want to do? God, get me out of this. This isn't right. I've been serving you faithfully all these years and look at this. Now it says patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. Rejoicing in hope. <laughs> Verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Be generous with what you got. Don't be stingy. Be generous. When you see somebody's got a need, give them. Give, give out to that need. Oh, Father God, I got some stuff. Can I help them out? Be given to hospitality. Bring people over. Take them out to dinner. Do stuff with them. Be hospitable. 
That's in the Bible. Well, I'm not called to that. Okay. What are we being faithful to? Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Now, it doesn't just, doesn't just mean in front of them. It doesn't mean that if somebody's weeping, you get there and you weep. But then you go away and say, Glory to God, I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> uh-uh. Don't be doing that. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes we rejoice with those who rejoice. And then once, once we get away from that, can't believe that God blessed them like that. Why hasn't God blessed me like that? I've been just as faithful. No, nope. rejoice for those who rejoice. Weep for those who weep. Don't change. Don't be hypocritical. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be looking at, well, I, 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 don't, I don't need to hang out with that person. That's the, they're below me. Mm-mm. Get out there with the humble. Be, be there with them. Love on them. Because God loves them. You want to love them. Take care of God's kids. He likes it. Of course, if they don't want water, don't give it to them. (laughs) Verse 17, Repay no evil for evil. Now, he doesn't put any conditions on that, does he? That means if somebody has come and cut you off, Not supposed to say that out loud. <laughs> Somebody comes in and cuts you off. Don't be don't be putting all kinds of things upon them. Don't be saying that sort of stuff. Don't re, don't do evil for evil. <laughs> yeah, I got to keep that in mind too sometimes. <laughs> no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If something is good in the sight of God, have regard for it in the sight of men. If something is not good in the sight of God, then disregard it in the sight of men. Don't you be, don't you be uh, embarrassed about it. If God considers it important, hang on to it. If God doesn't, don't. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Be peaceable. Now see, the part that's possible is the part that depends on you. You go out there and you do all that you can do. That part's possible. They may not want to. There are some people who just don't want to be peaceable. That's all right. But as far as it goes, as far as with you, you be peaceable to them. Don't go out there talking evil about them. Don't be putting them down. Be peaceable. This is God's attitudes that He wants us to have. If I am going to be faithful, this is what I need to do. If I am not being peaceable to certain people, if certain people come in to my presence and I get angry at them just because they're here, And I don't help them. I don't do things. I avoid them. Mm -mm. 
Now, how many of you know Brother Jesse? All right, I want you to picture this for just a minute. How many of you know Brother Jesse well? How many don't know who Brother Jesse DePlantis at all? All right. Go out there and YouTube him sometime. You'll get, the, you'll get the idea of what I mean. Can any of you who know Brother Jesse picture him avoiding anyone? Can you see him having an attitude or somebody? Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go over here. No, Brother Jesse is not that way. Brother Jesse, if you have the restriction, he's coming after you. Hey, how you doing? Glory to God, isn't it a good day? <laughs> That's what he's going to do. He's going to make you feel so uncomfortable for not liking him. He might even take you out to dinner. Just find ways to bless you. And by the time you get done, you might either going to get angry or you're going to get over it. That's the kind of thing we got to do. Be peaceable as much as depends on you. If I don't want to get before God and God says, you know, you could have done more in that situation. Yeah, I could have. See, I want him to be able to say when I get up there, well done, good and faithful servant. So I got to make sure whatever situation I'm in, whatever depends on me, be peaceable. Don't go looking what other people should be doing. That's not peaceable. As much as depends on me is what he's talking about. Well, they could be doing this. That's not what he's saying. Live peaceably with all the good people. Oh, your translation didn't say that? Maybe you'll like this better. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all the white people. It didn't say that either? Hmm. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all the church people. It didn't say that either? Then why are we reading it this way all the time? If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Oh, that just takes out all the fun. <laughs> do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place, or, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Let that wrath be with God. God, you take care of them. If they need to be wiped out, you wipe them out. I'm not going to do it. Have that attitude like David did. David didn't go after Saul. He said, God will take care of him. And God did. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, see, some people will do this for the purpose of putting coals of fire on their head. <laughs> that is not in keeping with the attitude with which God wants you to have. What can I do to make them feel really bad? <laughs> and if God calls us on it, I just did what you said. That's what you said. You said to do it. I just did what you said. God's going to say, did it with the wrong attitude. <laughs> Don't do it. Trying to put burning coals on their head. 
God just says, just be this way and that will happen. That's what is going to go on. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, unfortunately, folks, a lot of people in the church, we are overcome by evil. We see the evil and we rather conform to the evil than be transformed into the good. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. God has given you a calling. He's given you a place in the church. He's given you something to do. And that calling may become something even more than it is now. But not if you're not faithful in what you're doing. Not if you're not faithful with where you are. That's something that you have to do. You've got to get your attitudes in check. Well, I know if I was in this ministry and if I just didn't have so-and-so to deal with, I'd be all right. That is not right because when you go to someplace else, another so-and-so is going to come in your life because they're all over. People with bad attitudes are all over. You better learn how to deal with them. I put it down in your outline this way. Clean up, dress up, act right. Just think if you're going out to a real formal dinner or if you were in high school, you're going out to the prom. What's the first thing you do? You got to get a shower, get it all cleaned up. If you're a lady, probably do your hair. If you're a guy, we comb it. That's it. Yeah, we wash it and comb it. What else you got to do? Clean up. Then you got to get dressed up. Put on your nice suit, formal dress, whatever it might be. Clean up, dress up, and act right. See, the first thing you got to do is not be conformed, but be transformed. Clean up. The second thing you got to do is dress up. You got to take those giftings that God has given you, take ownership of them. These are mine. I am whatever it might be. I'm a giver. I'm a minister. I serve. I'm a prophet. I'm a teacher. Whatever it might be. You dress up. This is what I do in the body of Christ. And then, act right. Don't let the way you act disqualify your ministry. You can be gifted by God and disqualified by you. Just because God gifted you doesn't mean He qualified you. You have to do that. If people don't receive what you have, you have probably disqualified yourself to them. Get yourself qualified. Get your attitude right. Think of people that you have a hard time with and how many of them you have a hard time with because they have a bad attitude. That may be why they have a hard time with you. Fix the attitude. I made this little note. If no one desires to receive what you have, what good is what you have doing the body? What good is it? God may have given it to you, but what good is it in the body if nobody wants to take it? You aren't responsible for the reactions of others as long as you keep your behavior in the sphere of God's love. This is in your outline for you. In the same way, What others do should not be used as an excuse before God. 
Just because somebody didn't act right doesn't mean you have an excuse to be disobedient or to be unfaithful or to get a bad attitude. There is no excuse as far as God is concerned for any Christian having a bad attitude. Not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because Jesus dealt with a whole lot of rebellious people. Moses had a lot of people with bad attitudes. Elijah had a lot of people who hated God and hated Him and His ministry because of it. But they still did their ministry. John the Baptist did his ministry so well people wanted to kill him. And eventually did. You're not responsible for the reactions of others as long as you keep your behavior in the sphere of God's love. We got more to look at on this because we got to make sure that we are faithful with the giftings God gave us. We spent some time on some of these aspects when we were looking at uh, drawing those things that God put in us out. But we're looking at this for the standpoint of faithfulness. How does God see faithfulness with my gift, with the thing that I do? We just look around the, the things that are, that are happening here. When ushers come in, are ushers coming in with a good attitude? Or ushers coming in with an attitude to serve? And ours do. But that's what we need to do. Worship team coming in with an attitude and we're leading people in worship. What if only five people go into worship? Glory to God, we're going to take those five people into worship. <coughs> that's what we got to do. And Brother Jolly... Brother Naz come up and lead us in the offering. There's a responsibility that's on them. They get ready for it before they get here. They put the time in. God, what do you want to do? If there's a time of ministry, they're going to lead us into that. If there's an exhortation, they're going to lead us into that. They're going to lead us into the things that promote what we need to do there, what the worship team has been building us up to. Sister Rethel comes up and opens. I don't think she planned this morning quite the way that it went on. <laughs> but she rolled with it. She can roll with it. She can see, oh man, God's doing something with us all. There was some, there was some good stuff going on. There's, those, uh, those guys back there get our music ready before service. If you guys aren't here early before service, you're missing out. Some, there was some good music playing. There was some good, brother Corey was here first. And, uh, you know, I have a camera that watches the church. Cause I have to keep an eye on some things before people get here. And then uh, around 8.30, I open the door up so in case anybody gets here early, they can come on over. Well, I've got the eyes on the church and I can I can see what's going on. But I can also hear. So he's playing some music. I'm thinking, oh, man, I like that music. That's some good music. So I came on over and by the time I came over, it was, there was no music. So I told him, I said, I was enjoying that music. <laughs> Apparently, it was a pause in between. We were going from one song to another or something like that. And so then all of a sudden, it kicked in again. We were all right. But that was good. I appreciate those guys finding some good music for us to listen to. There are some good songs that we were playing before. So if you weren't here early, <laughs> you didn't get to enjoy them. Get here early. Enjoy that, that stuff. And people want to get up and just start worshiping. And they can do that. Sister Ethel just came on up and just kind of carried that song on. And it was good. But you see, these are people that are they're going to take what they do seriously. They're going to pursue it. And this is what we need to do. Understand. God is going to speak to the people involved in that ministry and what they need to do. He's not going to speak to you about it. That's not God. God does not come to you and say, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so missed me. They should have done this. Doesn't do it. 
And if you give in to listening to that, you have given in to a false spirit and the devil can just take you any way he wants. Don't do it. God doesn't do it. The very fact that you're hearing that means it's not from God. And how much of God's view does Satan spout? I mean, can you, can you imagine the devil coming in and saying what God feels? No. So if God's not going to speak to you about what his minister in that particular area is doing, then who are you hearing from? And then whose truth are you speaking when you say it to someone else? How are you doing on faithfulness? How many people think they're faithful? All right. Not as many as we had them before. <laughs> See, faithfulness to God is a pretty high bar. It's all right. We're going to set the bar. We're going to look at the bar where God says faithfulness is. And then after you all feel, man, I am, am I even saved? All right. After you all get to that spot, you're thinking, am I even saved? <laughs> then we're going to show you some good stuff and how you can get to the place of being faithful and what God thinks of you now. But we can't do that just yet. We can't do that. we got to first off show you where the bar is. What God says. And that's why you got to understand this is why God says, alright, everybody thinks they're faithful, but it's really rare. It's not really out there as much as people think it is. Because we're faithful to ourselves. I'm faithful to what I think ought to be done. I'm not faithful with what God says. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you that you love us. I know there's changes we got to do. There's times that we have given in to being faithful to ourselves. Faithful to what we think. There's times that I know your word says this, but I just can't do that now. I don't want to do it now. I don't feel it right now. But Father, you still love us. And you know we are a work in progress. And that there are more things that need to be done. But it's so much easier for you to work with people who realize I'm a work in progress than to work with people who think they've arrived. So, Father, we keep a humble attitude of ourselves. We don't think more hardly of ourselves than we ought to think because then God can speak to us. And God can tell us the things that we're doing that aren't right. But He can also say, this is what you can do and fix it. Thank you, Father, that you love us. You minister to us. You care for us. And as we go through the the week, as we open up our Bible and we read, you show us things that can help us become better. You lead us to hear things that help us overcome. Father, we don't just listen to your word on Sunday mornings and put it away. We won't be faithful. But every day we pull out your word. We read our chapter. 
We study our word. We listen to messages, to teaching. Because we know we'll grow. And you have things to speak to us. And I thank you that you do. Thank you that you do. God loves us. God loves us. Glory be to God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Marguerite, come on. Well, good morning, all. It's always great to see all of you, my Zoe family. And um, thank you. those of you watching by way of Internet, we're just grateful to be here as always today. And we thank God for his goodness. Uh, many of you uh, have probably been experiencing challenges uh, through the week. And if you're alive, um, you probably have been experiencing them. If not, they're coming. So... Uh, you don't have to kind of be anxious for them to get there. They will get to you. But as these challenges come, they can try to uh, turn us from where our focus should be. And um, it needs to be on, of course, on the word. And <clears throat> there's a song that we sing, and it says, Turn your eyes on upon Jesus. Look forth into full into his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow vaguely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as we do that, um, the enemy cannot fight that. When we look into God's word, whatever is coming uh, upon us, whatever is, has been put into our path, if we will look into the word of God and concentrate on Jesus and what he has done, the finished work of Jesus, the enemy cannot fight that. And as we continue to do that, and sometimes we can approach that, and we can approach it sometimes through at a point of weakness where we're, uh, if we've been hit with some symptoms or whatever, you don't have that spring in your step that you normally would have. But if we look into God's word, he will strengthen us and cause us to be able to be triumphant. And when the enemy would try to take us out in that weak moment, if we would look into God's word, we will be victorious. Um, we want to look at our praise reports today. Um, we have one from Alyssa. She says, I'm so thankful for a pastor that listens to and follows the Holy Spirit. Um, unknowingly, in today's message, uh, in today's message is furthering the teaching we've been having in Super Church. In the world, be in the world, but not of it. So um, that's a good word, that we are in the world. We don't have to uh, do the things that the world does because we are his. Um, we have um, a praise report from Chris. Um, she's saying that her Yorkshire terror, Terrier Debo was deathly ill for two weeks, two weeks ago. He was in kidney failure. 
And any of you that are animal lovers, you know that that pulls at your heart, too, just like your children. Um, I've been believing that he will be healed. On Monday, his test results showed he stabilized. Kidney function improved. I expect our next results to be even better. He is now eating, playing, and acting like himself. So we thank God for that. Um, there's a scripture that um, I believe it's in uh, Proverbs, but it speaks of a man being kind to his beast. So when the love of God has been shed in our hearts, we have love for our animals and our pets. Um, we, uh, I want to call your attention to some things that are coming up. We have family game night. It's this Friday at 7 p.m. We'd like you to bring your favorite game with you or just enjoy the ones brought in. There's going to be food, fellowship, so uh, bring in some snacks, items to share as well. And the ladies' breakfast is going to be Saturday. So I guess that will be not this Saturday, but two weeks from now. I'm Saturday uh, 23rd at 10 a.m. And um, we had a really great time at the last um, ladies' breakfast, so we look forward to seeing you all there. And Alyssa wanted to um, remind us that we need volunteers for the, East, the, uh, the egg hunt on Sunday, April 7th. We need volunteers for the day of as well as starting now during the planning process. If you want to help, see Alyssa today. So I just want to um, remind you as you go uh, the pastor's message on faithfulness. Um, as I read the word, I filter it through what we're learning. And it just really, it helps me to focus on getting out of it those things that I need to get out of. Even scriptures that don't specifically pertain to faithfulness, I'm looking at those and trying to look inward because I want to be found faithful. So as you leave today, greet one another, and um, we look forward to seeing you here. Oh, we have one more thing from the pastor. Okay. I meant to say this earlier in the thing. We, we changed some of the things we were doing on, the, on our Facebook outreach, and we've been asking for prayer requests. Some of you have already seen that up there, and we've got a bunch of them. So we've got people who have written in and are asking for a prayer. So if you want to pray with these people for these things, if you're uh, part of the prayer team or you have a... Uh, time that the Jews specifically dedicate to prayer. Brother Keith has copies of the, the things there. Now you've got their names and you've got the um, uh, prayer request. That's how they said it. All right. So that's uh, some of them I tried to get clarification on and I put some things in parentheses to clarify it, but some of them I didn't get clarification on yet. We'll uh, still wait on them. Now I'll send them to you. Don't try and look them up on Facebook. That's on there. Leave them alone. Just pray for them. So you have the, the things that are there to, to pray for. Uh, some of you may know a little bit more about what to pray for when you see the prayer request. Oh, wait a minute. I know how to pray for that. <laughs> all right. So just because they ask for prayer a certain way, you may know from the word of God to pray a little bit differently. And that's, that's fine. You all know what to, you, you know the word. You know how to pray for it. So that's back there. It's um, two pages, uh, front and back on one side. So it's actually about three pages total of, of some prayer requests. We'll get some more as the time goes on, but if you'd like to be a participant in that, Brother Keith has them. Did I almost, I did almost forget that. Thank you. I would have been kicking myself afterwards. I said, how did I forget? We were talking about it on Thursday. Come on up here.
Come on up here. It's time to... Sister Ento, she's not leaving right now, but she's leaving on Sunday next week. We won't see her. So she leaves next Sunday. Now, some of you folks have been uh, sewn into this, into this trip, and she's going over to India to, uh, to minister over there. And north, south? I think it's, it's somewhere in the north, south. More in the south area? Yeah. All right. So we're going to lay hands on her and pray now, and then you all be praying for her as, we, as she comes along. She's going to try and find ways. We don't, we're, we're not making promises. She's going to try and find ways to communicate some information to us as we're, as we're praying. But in the meantime, we know how to pray for somebody who's overseas and what they're doing. And, um, and we're going to be praying for her that way. So, um, come on, let's pray. Glory to God. Stretch your hands out this way. Father God, we thank you for Nto's willingness to go into the field and to preach the gospel, to be a messenger of you. As she goes out into this field, I thank you, Father, for the, for the good things that you will accomplish, for the love of God that is in her, how it will come out. And that, Father, you will give her things to say and things to do. It will come up in her spirit, and she'll know to act on them. And she will make an impact on the people of the land where she goes to and of the people that she goes with. I thank you that her influence there is a positive one, one of help. You'll give her the energy that she needs for each day. Keep her safe from all harm, sickness, and disease, that a hedge is about her. Protect her and keep her safe, and we thank you for that, Father. Give you the praise and the glory for it. And I thank you that not only will she help those that she goes to minister to, but, Father, you're going to be growing her as well. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, we don't see you again for, is it three weeks or four weeks? So about three weeks. Because you're going to be there that Sunday, the Sunday following, maybe the Sunday after that. Well, you're leaving on the one Sunday. You're going to be over there for the one Sunday. Yes. And then when you come back. So it won't be this week. Next, It'll be about three weeks. Yes, yes. About three weeks. We'll, we'll see her again and catch everything up on on that. And, uh, and you know, we'll look for that again. Maybe on a Wednesday night you can come and share some of the stuff that has, has gone on. All right. Bless some people before you go.